Good evening. Good to see you this evening. Thank you, David, for leading that song. Don and I actually talked about that song, and both of us forgot uh, about this morning. He did sing me his, uh, send me his songs for the week to let me look over them, and I like the fact that he was going to uh, lead Soldiers of Chris Arise. Uh, <laughs> at least that's what he put in his text, but uh, he ended up leading a different version, I guess. You know, seatbelts can be a hassle. They can be restrictive, they can be uncomfortable, but they can also save your life. So therefore, they're pretty necessary. Some people don't care how necessary they are. Even if it's a law, they don't want to wear them. Like this guy from New Zealand, Ivan Segedin. 32 times he was ticketed over a five-year span for not wearing his seatbelt. And although he was ticketed so many times, and although it cost him so much money, he would not relent. He wouldn't wear a seatbelt. But he did finally come up with an idea. He got a strap that looked like a seatbelt that he could just hang over his shoulder so that when he was driving down the road, the cops would see it and think that he was wearing a seatbelt. And all that worked fine for a while until he was actually involved in a head-on collision and lost his life. Sometimes the fake fails, right? And when it comes to this spiritual warfare, we have to understand that only the proper equipment worn properly is going to help us to succeed. This week we start a series on Sunday evenings called Suit Up. And it's piggybacking off what we are talking about on Sunday morning. But on Sunday night, we're taking each aspect of the armor of God that Paul lays out for us in Ephesians chapter 6, and we're looking at each of them individually, and of course tonight, I've given it away already, we're looking at the belt of truth. I believe that Satan's greatest triumph is the fact that so many don't take him seriously. I believe that he is winning this war on so many fronts because so many, so many Christians even, just don't take the battle seriously. Like we said this morning, we have a very sanitized view of Christianity. We come in, we sit in a pew, we stare at the back of the person's head in front of us, we sing our songs, we pay attention during the sermon at least halfway, and we leave here and we go back home and back to our regular lives and everything's carterized, sanitized, nice, neat, fits into a little box, and we're good. But a war is raging, and it's high time we woke up to that. Every disciple is on the front lines. Making this battle even more difficult is that the enemy doesn't fight fair. It's like the Texas politician who lost the election. And when they asked him, why did you lose? He said, I lost because I forgot the first rule of a knife fight, that there are no rules. And when it comes to fighting the devil, he doesn't fight fair. He doesn't play by any rules. He is a liar, a deceiver, a tempter. He knows your every weakness. Paul talks about the schemes of the devil, and that word in the Greek just means deceit or trickery or tactics or craftiness. He knows exactly what type of bait to put on the hook and dangle in front of you. He is a master fisherman. And what's interesting is in Ephesians chapter 6, as Paul lists the various forms of this, this suit of armor, as he lists the different elements, he does so in the order that a soldier would have put them on. So it's not random here. And he starts with the belt. The belt would have gone on first, 
Because not only does it hold the sword of the Spirit, but it also holds the other pieces of armor in place. If the soldier can't move quickly, he can't fight effectively. And so he needed that armor to all be in place and tied tightly together so that he could fight the fight. The belt of truth comes first because it's the piece that holds the other armor together. Now, the belt of truth is also where the sword of the Spirit is kept, and we're going to talk about that later, the sword being the Word of God. But the sword is dependent on the belt being connected to its owner, just as the Word of God is dependent upon truth. The two go hand in hand. We must wear the belt of truth and we must wear it properly. You can imagine being engaged in a fierce battle and your pants fall down. That's going to be a problem. And so you've got to have your pants held up well, and that's where the belt comes in. When we come properly adorned with the armor and we're able to fight effectively, then we understand what it means to win and be victorious. And the first thing that we need to know about this belt is that it's not adjustable. All other belts are, but not this one. Because truth isn't relative. Truth isn't based on subjectivity, what you think, what I think. The story is told of a philosophy student who wrote a paper on the relativeness of truth. What is truth to one person they wrote is falsehood to another. Truth is an imaginary concept, they said student got an F. He went to talk to the professor about it. And the professor said, oh yeah, I got that paper three years ago. You just copied that. And the student says, absolutely I did not. That is my original work. There's no way I copied that. And the professor said, well, what if I don't believe you? He said, no matter if you believe me, I wrote this paper myself. And the professor said, so you're telling me that truth stands independent of man, that it doesn't matter what I think about it, it's still truth? And the student stood speechless. The professor took the paper and marked out the F and gave him a D. He said, at least you learned something. There is this mistaken notion in our culture that truth is subjective. In other words, the individual is the determiner of truth. The standard is different for everyone. What may be truth for you may uh, may not be truth for someone else and vice versa. However... Such a notion is completely illogical and nonsensical. Proverbs chapter 23, beginning in verse 22 reads, Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. When it comes to truth, we must always be buyers and never sellers. Unfortunately, truth is is so little valued in this day and age. We hold opinions rather than convictions. We go by personal feeling rather than biblical precedents. We exalt cultural standards over what God has authorized. We live in a day and age where truth is being sold as if it's nothing more than a cheap trinket at a weekend garage sale. We cannot even sell a portion of the truth, regardless of whether we like the truth or not, regardless of whether we agree with it or not, doesn't matter because it stands independently of man. Truth is an all or nothing investment. Now, just to be clear about what we're talking about, truth is that which conforms to reality. We all know that in the physical realm, 
there is absolute truth. Okay, Dallas is east of Abilene. I'm a male. You can argue those things, but you'd be wrong. Two plus two equals four. Water freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. You can argue those things, but you would be wrong. Because truth stands independently of man. And what is true in the physical realm is every bit as true in the metaphysical realm. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You might remember in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. These are absolute truth statements. Just like in the physical realm, they exist in the metaphysical as well. They're not subjective, they're not relative, they're not open to interpretation. They mean what they say. The Bible never refers to your truth or my truth. It only refers to the truth. In John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus says, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In John 17, verse 17, Jesus prays, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And in John 14, 6, as we just said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus identified God's truth as the truth and himself as the personification of that truth. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So the issue, you see, is not whether truth exists or is simply relative based on the circumstances. The issue is not whether there is such a thing as absolute truth. The issue is not whether your truth is better than my truth. God settles all those questions for us and surprisingly he doesn't ask our opinion. Because truth is not a ballot measure. It's not up for a vote. It's whatever God says it is. Truth is exclusive by nature. It's absolute by nature. If it's not, it's not truth. That's what truth is. You don't even need the disclaimer, absolute truth. Truth is absolute by nature. It's restricted by nature. It's exclusive by nature. And if you're like me, I'm somewhat amazed at how many intelligent people See truth as being subjective or relative. Truth can never be subjective or relative. If it is, it ceases to be truth. Truth either is or it isn't. It's either binding and exclusive or it's not truth. Here are some critical points concerning truth. Number one, truth stands on its own merits. Number two, it has nothing to hide. Number three, it lacks nothing. And number four, it cannot be improved upon. Something else, truth is not affected by criticism or condemnation, questions or doubts, feelings or emotions, approval or disapproval, acceptance, rejection, or denial. Truth is truth regardless of who perceives it or fails to recognize it, who understands or misunderstands it, who agrees or disagrees with it, who believes or disbelieves it, who is convinced or unconvinced of it, who accuses or excuses it, whether it is expressed, suppressed, or unexpressed, whether it is disputed, contested, or tried, whether it is revealed or concealed. It's still truth. Regardless of how one feels about truth, whether they believe it or not, it is still truth. The argument that there is no such thing as absolute truth is ridiculous because if that statement is true, it's false. 
If that statement is true, it's false. If there is truly no such thing as absolute truth, then that is an absolute true statement. So, hopefully we've made it clear. Truth is not adjustable. The belt of truth is not adjustable. It's also indestructible. And what makes it indestructible is its source. Truth has its origin in God. God is the ultimate source of truth, divine and perfect. It cannot be dismantled nor can it be enhanced. It is precisely what God intends for it to be. Truth is an objective standard that conforms to reality. God and his will are that standard. The Bible contains an objective body of truth that must be learned, believed, and lived, or else we have no hope of pleasing God. This truth is our God. It is our answer. It is our hope. It is our standard. When it comes to truth, the real problem for why people don't submit to it comes down to authority. People tend to agree with what they prefer. They tend to agree with truth when it agrees with them. Though it took a little convincing, Eve partook of that forbidden fruit. She became convinced But the devil didn't make her do it, as we talked about this morning. He needs consent and cooperation. And I believe at her heart of hearts, what helped convince her is that she wanted to eat that fruit. And so you'll conform or bend truth to fit you or to agree with you so that you can have what you want to have. As we encounter truth, we all bring our prejudices, our upbringings, our our personal preferences to the table. It's when we allow those things to blind us that we begin to ignore God's truth in favor of another form. And far too many people have ignored God's truth in favor of their own. It was at a national prayer breakfast in 1994 that Mother Teresa was asked to lead the prayer. And so there she was among some of the the biggest names in politics, including then-President Bill Clinton and his wife, Hillary, staunch advocates for abortion. And Mother Teresa stood up, and in her prayer, she said these words. She said, I feel that the great destroyer of peace today is abortion, because it is war against the child, a direct killing of the innocent child, murder by the mother herself. And if we accept that a mother can kill her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? And many at that prayer breakfast walked away angry, incensed, in fact. What right did Mother Teresa have to get up there and pray for God's will to be done and to take such a staunch stance on abortion? Well, it's God's truth. And many people were angry with God's truth because they had formed their own truth. Kind of like the book of Judges, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It's kind of what we see in the world around us today. Romans 1, 18 and following says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Remember the movie A Few Good Men? You can't handle the truth, right? 
Some people can't handle the truth. It certainly seems that our culture today can't handle the truth. And this truth can be painful, but it's truth nonetheless. The Hebrew writer stated, For the word of God is, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The fact that there is truth means that we are accountable. There is a standard. And aren't you glad that there's a standard? The culture doesn't have a standard. Well, maybe they do, but it changes daily, doesn't it? With all that's going on in the world around us and all the things that we see surrounding us, we need a standard. We need an objective standard, even if, if we may not like it always. There's got to be an objective standard that we can look to. We might even reject it, but God's truth is indestructible. It exists and it persists whether we adhere to it or not, because at the end of the day, we're going to be judged by it. The belt of truth is not adjustable. It's indestructible. And finally, it's also invaluable. Truth is not just a set of rules. Truth is about not just knowing God's word and God's will for our lives. Truth comes to us demanding to control our lives. At some point, we can know truth, but we have to do something with truth. It's not enough just to know what to do. You've got to do something with what you know. As Jesus walked along, he came across a man like, like Matthew, and he said, follow me. And, and Matthew immediately got up and followed him. That's how we respond to truth, right? That's a proper response. Truth doesn't say consider me or admire me. It says follow me. Believe in me. Truth always calls for a decision and a commitment. We must get up and follow Christ. We must enter by the straight gate and walk that narrow way. For that is where we find truth. That is the way of truth. Christ could have easily said, you shall know the truth, but it's going to be offensive to some. You shall know the truth, but it's going to be painful at first. Jesus could have framed it that way, but what he said was, of course, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free because that's the beauty of all truth. For all the difficulty of hearing and accepting and acting on truth, the value is vindicated in the outcome, which is deliverance. That is why truth is so precious and so valuable. We know truth is absolute. We know it's exclusive by nature. We know that it is the standard by which we are to measure our lives. But if that's all we know about truth, then we have fallen short. When Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Many people assumed that he was speaking about doctrine. But it was about more than that. Because if all he was talking about is doctrine, then he didn't have to die. If the truth that sets men free is just the Bible, well, then Jesus didn't have to die, right? If it's only doctrine, then Jesus didn't have to die. But what we see is Jesus, in John chapter 18, standing in front of Pilate, and Pilate asked a profound question. I'm sure he didn't realize how profound it was at the time, but he asked, what is truth? Which is interesting because it was standing right in front of him. 
Truth is not a what. It's a who. It's a person. The truth that sets men free is more than doctrine. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. He's the one who sets men free. Truth is priceless because truth is a person. And so truth is about so much more than just what you know or what you choose to believe. Truth is about who you live for. As I said, truth demands a response. And how we respond to truth says everything about us. Jesus says, follow me. So that's what we do. We follow truth. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you will adhere to my truth, right? But truth is about more than just doctrine. It is that. But it's about a person as well. I'm sure all of you here know something about the Alaskan bull moose, right? Okay. Did you know that every fall during breeding season, the male Alaskan bull moose fight for dominance? And if you've ever seen an Alaskan bull moose, they have these huge antlers. And every breeding season, they butt heads and they tie up with one another. And eventually, one moose is going to have their antlers broke off, and that determines who the winner and loser is. The one whose antlers are weaker and get broke off, that's the loser. The one that is dominant, the one that wins, is the one that has the stronger antlers. But the interesting thing is, the battle isn't won in the breeding season. The battle's won in the summer, when they're taking in vegetation. So the Alaskan bull moose is getting ready for the fight to come in the fall by eating all the vegetation it can in the summer. That's what makes him bulkier and his antlers stronger. You see where I'm going with this? So last week we talked about how so many times Christians just kind of sit and wait for the devil to come, and then they hope they're ready to fight him. They're hoping that they can kind of ball up and fight him off until he leaves. How about we prepare now? How about we get ready now and go looking for a fight? And how we get ready is by ingesting the word, by feasting, on God's Word, by drawing closer to Him, filling up on truth, growing stronger spiritually so that we can go head-to-head with the devil. So we put on the belt of truth right now. We don't wait until it's time to fight. We put it on now, and we don't just sit here waiting for Him to come. We suit up. We prepare for battle. We get stronger. We be aggressive. So that we can be victorious. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for another day that we've had to come and to worship you and and to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, we know that the devil is strong and we know that he is coming after us. God, we pray that we can meet him on the battlefield and that we can be victorious because we are on your side. God, may we always suit up, may we always recognize that we are in a fight for our lives, and may we start a winning streak today. Help us to be more like Jesus, to not only know the truth, but to strive to be more like Him, to draw close to Him, and thus be victorious. It's in your Son's precious name we pray.
Amen. As I said this morning, there is absolutely no excuse for you to leave here a loser. No excuse. So if you need prayer, if you need to confess, if you need to put on Christ in baptism, if you want to study the Bible with someone, if you want to get stronger, let us help you. This is a great place to start. You're here. That's a great place to start. But if you need more help going forward, let us know. Come as we stand and as we sing.